Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. Uh, We have a couple of announcements. I have one to kick us off here. Last week, we celebrated our graduating seniors. um, And due to a technical mistake in a rather unwieldy database, we missed graduating senior Max Middleton. Max uh, has been coming here to Church of the Palms since he was a little boy and serving as an acolyte uh, in um, very faithfully with Miss Yoko in our traditional service. Max is graduating in June from Cardinal Mooney High School, and he is an accomplished track and field athlete, just won a whole bunch of medals for throwing the discus, I think. Uh, and he's in conversation with a number of coaches and colleges about his future plans. Um, And I know you'll join us in celebrating Max and all of our 2021 graduates. And now I'm going to turn it over to my friend Genevieve for the rest of our announcements. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Genevieve Beauchamp. I live on the other side, and it's an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, We have a few announcements. Pentecost, and uh, we encourage you to wear red, first of all, and we're also looking for some readers to participate in the service, so if you know especially a second language, that's what we're looking for. If you do know a second language, please uh, contact Pastor Lori, and uh, either through email or just grab her, or um, call the church office, and uh, we'd love to have you participate. Um, Now, the next announcement, nobody's happier than me to make this, is that you get to sing again in the service on June 13th, and we're so excited about it. Um, We are going to be calling that Sunday, Make a Joyful Noise Sunday, and what a joyful noise it will be. It will be a wonderful wonderful event. In fact, uh, the band will be really excited to to have you join in, and they can actually come and join us now. Um, last announcement is a Palms Angel is someone that connects with our recently graduated seniors as they begin their journey into adulthood. And as an angel, you get to pray for these young people, and you get to make them feel connected with the church as they go into the world. So if you would like to take on this task, we would love to have you contact Sarah Sobolewski. And once you've signed up, you will get to meet that young person on June 13th in the Palms Cafe. You'll get more information about that. And actually, one more announcement. We are releasing Teze service, the last one of the season. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch them before. It's very calming, very peaceful. And the last one's coming out next Saturday at 8 a.m., but you get to watch them anytime you wish, and we hope that you get to try this form of worship with us. So thank you, and let us worship God. There we go. We need to all help. Let's put our hands together. Come on.
have a seat. We are at that time in our service where we get to worship God with our tithes and our offerings, and those baskets are on the tables as you leave, so feel free to give that way or to give online in lots of other ways. So I have a special announcement for today, and I wonder if you know what a butterfly has to do with a Boy Scout. And fortunately for me, I have a Boy Scout right here, my friend Ryan Chate, who grew up in this church and who has been a Boy Scout now for like 10 years, right? Yep, 10 years. 10 years. That's a long time. You were like this. Yeah. And now you're like this. (laughs) Now I'm like this. Yeah. So tell me, what does this butterfly have to do with Boy Scouts? Well, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, (laughs) uh, I am a Life Scout, and I am... Uh, just about to achieve Eagle. And uh, to achieve Eagle, you need to do a project. And I'm doing my Eagle project here at this church. I am building a butterfly garden. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So great, so great. Um, So I think it's going to be out behind the Palm Center. And tell us what's going to be in the butterfly garden. Yes, there will be um, plants that attract butterflies and plants that host butterfly eggs. Um, the caterpillars hatch and eat those plants, and there will be a sitting area, um, uh, and there will be a big tree that comes over the sitting area. Uh, uh, it'll be a magnolia, a saucer magnolia. They are these um, big flower trees. With uh, every May, they they bloom these big pink flowers. And, um, and they smell wonderful, and they will provide shade for the benches that we have there. 
My gosh, it sounds so amazing, right? That we can go to this butterfly garden, that we can sit on these benches and pray and meditate, have butterflies flitting around and the, the aromas of what Ryan's talking yes. about. It just sounds like such a sacred space. Mm -hmm. Yes, sacred, exactly. Um, it is meant to be a sacred space. There will be sand covering the floor and it's going to be... Uh, um, you will be encouraged to take your shoes off before you enter the garden, before you step on the sand, uh, just so that you can feel the sand between your toes, but also because it represents sacred ground. Yeah, like when God said to Moses, right, take off your shoes, you are on sacred ground. Right. It is so amazing. So you might wonder, well, how can we help? Um, Ryan has some of the plants and displays and his plans out um, as you're leaving today. And if you are so inclined to help sponsor this project that we all get to benefit from, you would write out a check to troop number 895. Um, or um, any cash amount is so much appreciated. Mm -hmm. We're so grateful for you. If during the week you want to send something in, just make sure that check is out to Troop 95. You can send it in to me and I'll make sure it gets to Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, yes. for uh, Thank doing you. that and for giving back to your church in this way. Mm -hmm. Really excited. So I'd like to invite my mic runners to come up. And um, you've already met Ryan, who is one of them. And I'm going to let... <clears throat> Allison, I'm not going to say your name, so you can introduce yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. Come right here. Come right here. Come by me. Tell us who you are. Hi, I'm Allison Lindell, and I'm going into my sophomore year at UCF next fall. Nice. So if you have any prayer concerns, if you would raise your hand, these wonderful young people will come out and we'll um, listen to them. How can we be praying on this day? Good morning, my name is Kay. Usually there's a tall, mostly bald man sitting next to me. He went to California to help family renovate a house and I would pray for safe travels. And he's not Ryan's age, so putting up windows and doing flooring when you're older, I'm just praying he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And Ray is his name? Steve. Steve is Kay, your name is Kay, but his name is Steve. Thank you. So we'll be, yes, that's by you. Thank you. So we'll keep Steve in our prayers this week. Thanks, Kay. How else can we be praying? Right. Yeah, just hand it to him, Ryan. Uh, that's great. There you go. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'm Mike. And, uh, hey, Mike. I think it's, we should pray for everybody in this room. Yeah. Everybody out there, you know, with all the negativity in the world. It's, it, let's pray to turn that into positivity. Absolutely. Love one another, love God, call God in, and uh, just go from there. Everyone in this room is important. Yeah. We're, we're all God's light. And Absolutely. Just by being and letting him take control, we're going to touch so many people if we just keep doing this and love keep that. keep praying that collective yeah. consciousness yeah, just, yeah. so that's yeah. great thanks Mike. i'm totally nervous Thank that's you. all you're good god bless everybody yeah i mean thanks that. for being here let god protect us all yeah what a great what a great prayer right yeah that we can love god and love neighbor and spread that love everywhere we go and another mike welcome back mike <laughs> and mike holding a mic uh i love uh, for us to pray for uh the Middle East for 
that conflict uh, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, uh, that there could become some sort of just way to end that way. Yeah, that thing. yeah, yeah, thank you. It seems so messy and complicated, and I, I don't know. We need God, right? We really need God for that. I did get an email, um, and they wanted us to lift up, and I think we had mentioned this in here, a young man named Grant Schaeffler, who had a traumatic brain injury. He was just married in October, but he fell from the attic, and... Um, he is now responding, but he has got a long road ahead of him. So if we could remember Grant and, and other people who may be recovering from illness and injury, that um, they might have patience, that there might be complete healing. Anything else? I know this is the season of proms and graduations, and um, really just sort of to add to Kay's prayer about safe travel for our young people, that they make relatively good decisions that aren't life-altering, would be my biggest prayer, right? Yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to um, go to God together in prayer and would love if we could start that time with just a little bit of confession silently. We don't need to say that one out loud. And then I will um, close us together in prayer. So let's pray. Hear us, O God, as we confess our sin against you and against others. Hear this silent prayer. O God, we are so grateful for your presence in our lives. We're grateful for the way you whisper our name, that you call us forward, that you call us into more than what we can be on our own. May we truly show your love in the world and love others so that we might be that force, so that we might be all that you intend us to be, that that might bring peace in the world. And that peace that starts right here with each one of us. We've given you all the names in this room and there are others on our heart, Lord, and we give them to you for your complete healing. We thank you, God, for these blessings and for this worshiping community. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The good news, of course, is that the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting. So we are free to love and serve the God with all creativity and all sorts of imagination as we go from this place to love God and love neighbor. Thanks be to God. Hello. My name is Steve, and I am one of the pastors here. It's so good to see some of you and to see some new friends and, uh, and some old acquaintances. It's great to be back together a little bit more and more each week. Um, one other little COVID announcement. We, uh, of course, this past week got more information from the CDC about uh, relaxing some of the restrictions that we've grown used to. 
And uh, they never checked with the church as to the timing of those announcements. So um, we're, uh, we're left kind of needing to put our heads together at the early part of this week so that we can let you know in the next uh, day, two, three days, what the uh, update may be for us here at Church of the Palms regarding mask wearing, social distancing, and all those good things. So check our website. We'll probably shoot out an email as well to everybody, and uh, we'll let you know what we... Uh, what our environment will be like next week uh, when you come to worship. Um, <clears throat> we are in the final look at the fruit of the spirit of self-control, and we've been reflecting on the story of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. We looked at the first temptation, which was to turn stone into bread for Jesus to feed his famished body, and, and then we looked at the second temptation where he was asked to prove himself by throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple to let the angels catch him, which of course they do, but later on in the story. And now today we look at the last of the temptations, but prior to reading that, we want to take a look at uh, another story from the book of Daniel. It's a story that, started, that took place during the exile of the people of Israel in Babylon and the struggle of God's people to maintain their identity and their allegiance to God in the midst of a foreign land. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, has ordered all the people in the land to worship and bow down before the golden statue that the king has erected. But three faithful men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down before this foreign idol, and that's where our story picks up. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Hear the word of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, trum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then our next lesson is, again, the third temptation of the devil, Matthew chapter 4. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. And then lastly, from John chapter 18, this conversation between Jesus and Pilate in the midst of Jesus' passion. 
they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning, and they themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. And Pilate said to him, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. And then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? And Peter, Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate asked him, oh, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am the king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read into the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. James K.A. Smith, professor of philosophy at Calvin College, in his book, You Are What You Love, says this, we worship what we love and we become what we worship. We worship what we love and we become what we worship. Now at first blush that may not sound like breaking news, but when you give yourself the chance to sit with that thought for a moment, it may become more and more an unsettling truth. We worship what we love and we become what we worship. Which means that way, way back at the beginning of your life and mine, we began to develop, without really thinking about it, certain longings and desires, and from those longings and desires came certain hopes, and from those certain hopes came certain goals, and it is these goals, these aspirations, these dreams that we set for ourselves that become for us the things we worship. Almost like a vicious cycle then, what we then worship, we further become. I went to college with a young woman who had boasted of a five, her five-year plan, her 10-year plan, her 20-year plan. It was very career-focused, and she set herself a path to accomplish her time-sensitive goals, and I always felt like a little dummy around her because it always seemed that my goal was just to get through the day. She was going to plan out the next five, next 10 years. Her yearnings and her desires shaped her into the person who in college would be the person to come up with those kinds of goals, and it would be those goals that, she would, for, that would further shape her into the very thing that she was worshiping. You want a million dollars by the time you turn 40? Then you will be shaped by that goal. If you want your kids to go to the best college as possible, then your family will be shaped by that goal. You want to be president of the United States, then you will be shaped by that goal. You become what you worship. I have a dear friend who has three kids, all of whom were really, 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 really good soccer players. I mean, really good. And when you have three really, really good soccer players, pretty close in age, it means that your week and your weekends are spent traveling all over the place to get your kids to 
games and practice, and not just games, but travel games, three hours away, five hours away, eight hours away, which means the routine of worship and Sunday school that they had kept pretty close to when they were toddlers went straight out the door. Years later, in a moment of brutal frankness, he told me that his family, without really thinking about it, gave up God for soccer. You become what you worship which I suppose is what was in front of the minds of those Jewish exiles, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You have to love those names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, you've got to remember those names. They are on the top ten of the list. And then the choice they have to face is, again, on a top ten of the list of Scripture choices because when, you give, when, you, when, because when given the orders from the foreign king Nebuchadnezzar, another great biblical name to remember, Nebuchadnezzar, to bow down before the golden statue or to be thrown into the fiery furnace, it was likely in the front of their minds that they would eventually become what they worship, what they bowed down to, that this glittering, though lifeless figure would someday turn them into glittering, though lifeless figures themselves. This was the choice. Glittering, lifeless figures or fuel for the fire. And so they say, we'd rather the furnace than the statue. We'd rather be ashes than stone. Because in the end, you become what you worship. We older baseball fans remember the day when Sandy Koufax, the pitching phenom of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who had been slotted to start game one of the 1965 World Series against the Minnesota Twins, informed manager Walter Alston that he would not be pitching that day because that day was Yom Kippur, one of the high holy days for our Jewish friends. Game one of the World Series, the pinnacle of any baseball player's career, the whole team counting on you, the entire season hanging in the balance. No, Koufax said, exercising his self-control, he would stay in his hotel room and fast. He said it wasn't even a decision likely taking the example from 31 years before when the rookie and future Hall of Fame <clears throat> famer Hank Greenberg, whose Detroit Tigers were in the throes of a pennant race on Yom Kippur just days before the end of the season, instead of walking to the stadium, walked to the temple. Tiger fans were none too pleased in Greenberg's exercise of self-control. But you become what you worship. So maybe it's in the front or the back of Jesus' mind when the devil takes him up a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, these, all these you can have if you would just bow down and worship me. All these, I can make you president, I can make you king, I can make you CEO, I can make you sell out Raymond James Stadium, I can make you an all-star, I can make you a millionaire if you would just bow down, just bow down. And now it's time for the good Jewish rabbi to sit and wonder, what does he want to become? Because you become what you worship. Worship the Lord your God, the rabbi says, and serve only him, maybe not even knowing fully what that means, not even knowing what shape that's going to bring to his life, which takes us to the end when the battered and bloody Jesus stands in front of Pilate, the Roman governor, and Pilate echoes the one in the wilderness and asks, are you really a king? Really? Are you the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, the king of the Middle East? Over which kingdom do you rule, asked the devil, Pilate. And Jesus says, 
I'm the king of truth. I am the king of the only thing that matters. And the only thing that matters, Jesus said time and time again, is that you love God and you love your neighbor. If I'm going to do any bowing, Jesus says, that's where I'm going to do my bowing. I bow before God and I bow before my neighbor. And every time Jesus bowed, he was becoming what he worshipped. Because you see, love is the animating force. When you bow before golden statues, when you bow before bank accounts, when you bow before corner offices, when you bow before Ivy League schools, when you bow before careers, you become what you worship. And none of those things has breath. They do not breathe. They, they are still as statues. They are stone. But love is the liberating and the animating force. Love is what sets us free and what brings us to life. Love is the energy behind our self-control. Love allows you to resist the life less and to become the animated version of yourself. So we watched this young rabbi, after having been ministered to by the angels, stagger back from the wilderness, and we pay attention to his bowing. We read our scriptures, and we see him bow before the little child struggling to live. We see him bow before the tax collector who's lost his soul. We see him bow before the prostitute who sold her body. We see him bow before the blind man who's never been able to see. We see him bow before the dead man in the tomb. We see him bow before the chief priests on their thrones. We see him bow before the Heavenly Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see him bow before the governor, waving his death warrant. We see him bow before the Creator in the wilderness. Jesus is becoming what he worships. So there really isn't any decision to make when Pilate tells him that he doesn't have to bow beneath that cross they want him to carry to Golgotha. No decision. Because Jesus has been liberated and animated by love. The more he bows, the more he comes alive, the more he loves, the more animated he becomes. For years I took high school kids to the hollers of Appalachia for a week of service, a week away from their parents' insistence that they bow before a certain GPA or bow before a college application. We, we them off into the wilderness of West Virginia or Kentucky or Tennessee, and for five days we invited them to bow before these good folks who needed help with their houses to make their houses warmer and drier and safer. So these teenagers found themselves bowing for the better part of a week, bowing to shore up a foundation under a sagging trailer, bowing to saw two-by-fours to build a handicap ramp, bowing to lift a railroad tie wall for a retaining while bowing to listen to these folks who would tell them stories about their families. And with every bow, the more alive they came, sore but alive. And by day five, the tears appeared in their eyes when they contemplated having to leave because they knew they were leaving a certain kingdom. And they were becoming somebody different. They were becoming what they had been bowing to. And they could see what mattered. 
Maybe it's what animated Martin Luther King Jr. when out of the pews of Ebenezer Baptist Church, he began to take on the plight of his brothers and sisters, began to walk where they walked. He bowed before their yearnings for justice and in his movement of nonviolence, bowed before the blow of a billy club, bowed before the arresting sheriffs, bowed before the white angry mobs because he was animated by love. He said two months before his murder, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject agree with your verb to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. A soul generated, a soul animated, a soul quickened, a soul come alive. Methodist pastor Wesley Taylor tells the story of a 13-year-old boy named Joe and his congregation who, in a freak accident, had been run over by a tractor on the family farm. The young man was left paralyzed except for the use of one arm. The trauma rendered him unable to speak. Over weeks of lying in a hospital bed, he fell deep, deep, deep into, into depression such that he would not even acknowledge the visit of anyone who entered the room. As it so happened, in the room next door laid a two-year-old boy suffering from a brain inflammation that caused him great pain such that he whimpered all day and all night. One day, Joe's mother went to the mother of the whimpering toddler and said, I think my boy needs your boy. She asked permission to take her son to be with her son. The mothers agreed, so they took the two-year-old and laid him on top of the 13-year-old just to see what might happen. At first, the 13-year-old boy grew rigid as a statue. But hearing the cries of the toddler, he reached his only active arm around the boy and began to stroke him began to pat his back, and the baby was comforted, and tears formed in the embittered teenager's eyes while a smile crawled across his face. They brought the boys together for several days. The toddler began to recover, and Joe began to talk, and eventually walk. Love is the animator, and we become what we worship. Let us pray. Bring us to life, O oh God. Help us to walk away from all those golden statues that we want so desperately to bow down to. Help us to Remember who we are and whose we are. Help us to remember that we are what we love and we become what we worship. Help us to worship the only thing that gives us life. You, Jesus. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.